Hey everyone, this is Josh. Much like our Christmas movies episode back in December, this episode will be a little different. We won't be covering snack bag topics or teasers this week. Instead, I'm joined by two special guests to break down a ranking of the best baseball movies as we kick off the 2019 Major League Baseball season. Even if you don't love baseball, this is a really fun episode and I hope you'll give it a listen. We'll be back next week with a regular episode. And before we get into our special episode this week, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Do you ever listen to an episode of the Popcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try? Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the Popcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is episode 40 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Pops Cast. Today, I am not joined by Maureen yet again, but this week I have two special guest hosts joining me because we are going to do something pretty fun this week. Joining me this time, I have Zach Crippen, the co-founder of the Vernacular Podcast Network and the co-host of Vernacular Podcast and the sports podcast on the network called The Lineup. Zach, thanks for joining us. Josh, thanks so much for having me, man. This better not become a trend though with you doing it solo, or at least without Maureen. The podcast is definitely a better show and your better half is there. I have to agree with you. So we're not alone in that. I am also joined this week by a good friend of mine, Peter LeCleed. He is also one of the co-hosts of the Vernacular Sports Podcast, The Lineup. Peter and I go way back, I think maybe 17 years at this point, back th- back in high school. Peter, thanks for coming on. Oh, it's, it's good to be with you. Uh, yeah, to echo Zach's statements, the collective groan of America that we don't have Maureen here. So I'll, I'll try to I'll try to pick up at least one third of the slack here. But good to be with you, fellas. The reason we're all together on this special edition of the Popcast is because we are at the very beginning of the baseball season, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but baseball is probably my favorite sport. Oh, for Zach, sure. Would you say? Absolutely. Yeah, and Peter. Oh yeah. Okay, so baseball is collectively our our favorite sport. And so this week on the Popcast, we are going to give you a definitive ranking of the best baseball movies out there. We took a look at 15 baseball movies. It doesn't encompass every single one, but it does encompass a lot of them. And we're going to tell you which one's the worst and which one's the best based on our ranking. Now, if you listen to our Christmas movies podcast back in December that Zach and his lovely wife, Sally, were on with Maureen and I, 
we did a similar ranking. And the way we broke this down was we ranked each of the 15 movies in three categories. So the categories were overall enjoyment of the movie. So here we were focusing on the entertainment value of the film. Overall quality of the film, here we focused on the acting, the directing, writing, cinematography, editing, more of the technical side of things. And then finally, our third category, which we ranked out of 10 for each film, baseball accuracy. Does the film get the baseball stuff right, or is it fudged here and there? So in no particular order, here are the 15 films we took a look at, and then we will get right into the rankings. Okay, so we have Field of Dreams, The Sandlot, The Bad News Bears, a League of Their Own, Bull Durham, Moneyball, The Natural, Fever Pitch, Major League, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League, Angels in the Outfield, For the Love of the Game, 42, and The Rookie. Okay, now, Peter and Zach, neither of you know the rankings because I have hidden them from you. You sent me your rankings. I compiled them. I averaged everything together. So this will be as much a surprise to you as it is to our listeners. Are you ready to get started? I'm ready. Oh, I'm I'm just so excited over here. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go 15 through 11. We're going to knock out these first five films, the lowest on the list, and then we will get into our top 10. So with an average score of 14.3 out of 30, the last place film is Bull Durham, which is a 1988 film starring Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, and Tim Robbins. Our number 14 film With an average score of 15 out of 30, the 1993 film Rookie of the Year, starring Thomas Ian Nicholas, Gary Busey, and Daniel Stern. Our number 13 film, with an average score of 15.3 out of 30, Angels in the Outfield, released in 1994, featuring really, I have to say, a stellar cast, including a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Danny Glover, Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, Adrian Brody, and all right, all right, all right, Matthew McConaughey. That's right. Yeah, that was a that was a classic film of my childhood. I don't know about you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. In the number 12 spot, with an average score of 16.5 out of 30, we have The Bad News Bears, released in 1976 and starring Walter Matthau. And then in the number 11 slot, we have, with an average score of 16.7 out of 30, The Natural, the 1984 film starring Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, Glenn Close, and Kim Basinger. Guys, let me start with you, Peter, because... You had a couple of these ranked much higher than Zach and I, including (laughs) our number 14 film, Rookie of the Year. So please give us your overall take on 15 through 11, anything you want to chime in here on these films. First and foremost, gentlemen, I'm pretty disappointed in you. I'm not saying that there was collusion between the two of you, but I think your scores while different, very differently than mine here. So I'm not saying there was collusion, maybe a little conspiracy. I know collusion is not a crime, so do... Do what you will with that. But guys, how do you not love Rookie of the Year? I get it that it's it's a little weird that they hire a kid out of the stands. I get it the medical procedure is not totally there. I get it that random pitching coaches get locked in lockers. I get it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but there is no way either of you can tell me that growing up, the dream of pitching for not only a franchise, but the three of us growing up, all I know watched a lot of Cubs games, the thought of growing up to be the star pitcher for the Chicago Cubs when you win the pennant, you you guys are lying through your teeth if you're not telling me that a little part of you wished that you could fall and break your arm, which I did three times attempting to become rookie of the year and couldn't pull it off, but you guys would be lying to me if you didn't say that that was your childhood dream. So maybe Wait, did you, did you really break your arm three times? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three different times in about five years. Yeah, the same was, arm? I alternated. Okay. I was, I was trying to go for the ambidextrous, the Jim Abbott look, and I just oh could my not goodness. pull it off being able to throw with both arms. I tried a lot of stunts. And you never None made it to worked. the majors. No. Uh, ev- evidently, there's more that you need than breaking bones to be to be successful in the major leagues. But guys, how could you not love Rookie of the Year and everything it symbolized? The hope, the dreams, the ability to to walk on the field and just do it. I you guys are really letting me down by not being big fans of Rookie of the Year. There are three movies that I gave a one on accuracy for. I'll I'll save one of those because it's coming up, I think. But one was Rookie of the Year for reasons we discussed. Uh, I think of it as the like Mike of baseball movies. Just a little kid has this miraculous thing happen to him, and then he can play it in the professional league. And then Angels in the Outfield, uh, it goes without saying that there are not not angels who physically intervene in the outfield these days. You don't know that. That's true. I guess I don't. But as a kid, I watched this movie over and over again. I also watched the sequel, Angels in the End Zone. Not sure if you guys saw that one as well. Wow, wasn't even aware that was in existence. Oh, definitely. Angels in the Outfield is the is the superior film, though, just for the record. I also have major issues with your rankings of Bull Durham. I'm very nostalgic based on the fact that I lived in North Carolina. Yeah, you're a Durham Bulls guy, right? Absolutely. Lived about an hour 15 from that stadium, which is, in all seriousness, one of the best minor league stadiums you guys will ever see. But there, there are just so many great baseball cliches in that movie. I get it. It's not completely about <laughs> baseball, but it uses baseball to thread just a wonderful, kidding, story about Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins. I mean, she believes in the Church of Baseball. You guys can't tell me that you don't believe in the Church of Baseball. So overall, pretty disappointing, you guys. I don't even know if I can continue on. I, I'm, I'm beside myself over here. So here's the thing about Bull Durham, and this is why, because I'm probably the one who most is responsible for tanking the rankings of Bull Durham. I get that baseball is featured prominently in the movie, but to me, it's not really a baseball movie. It's kind of a cheesy romance. And I would suggest to you, Pete, that Bull Durham is as much about baseball as the Titanic is about maritime navigation. Wow. Those are some fighting words right there. Okay, so here's what I want to say about Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield, because here's what happened with the rankings. Both Zach and I dinged both of those movies pretty heavily for the baseball accuracy part. And I think that's where the lower score came for both of those. The more that I think about it, the more ridiculous it is that the medical injury of breaking your arm (laughs) somehow managed to get him to be like this amazing pitcher. You know, I do have a big nostalgia factor for both Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield. But I think for me, I'm okay with them being lower on the list because of the baseball accuracy part. So for me, I'm okay with that. One thing I wanted to say about our number 11 film, which is The Natural, which I think some listeners might hear that and say that's way too low for this film because it is a classic. But something that I just could not get over when I was watching the film was that Robert Redford was 48 years old when he made the movie. And he was supposed to be playing at one point. Wow, I had no idea. Are you serious? Yeah. At one point in the movie, he's supposed to be playing like a 19-year-old prospect for the Cubs, there is just no way that I believed that he was a 19-year-old, despite the fact that he was lit in shadows. Yeah, I mean, he he definitely looks looks younger than 48, but he does not look 19. And it's really confusing because I'd never seen the film before last year when we were starting to talk about this podcast. And when they do the, they start flipping back and forth between him as a 19-year-old and then him years and years later when he's trying to make his baseball comeback... I couldn't even tell that it was supposed to be a different time period because he looks the exact same and the exact same is old. 
So I'm going to say that for me totally took me out of the film. Yeah, that was before their CGI abilities where they could digitally make people look a lot younger than they are. Right, exactly. And I will also say that, you know, like the fact that he uses the same bat, you know, for his entire <laughs> yes, life. I and totally he, agree. And he has, he has no fear that it's going to break. I yes. mean, th- he just willy nilly throws it up in the air. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's just, it's ridiculous. That should be his pride and joy. Or just the fact that he's used the same bat for all that time. That would definitely right. break. And I mean, exactly. the uh, the whole lightning strike, right? It's, it's from the lightning yep. struck tree. That also dings right. the accuracy, yep. I think. Peter, any thoughts on the natural being in the 11 spot here? My dad is going to be so upset when he hears this, but I actually <laughs> had the natural even lower. I had it oh, my goodness. Like 13 or 14. I think, I think that's think unfair. Come on, Pete. Uh, well, you also hate Bull Durham, so I don't really understand <laughs> you, man. <laughs> I didn't find it to be a very exciting movie. And I know that that sounds very superficial. I totally agree yeah, with that. Yeah, it's just, it, 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 that, was, that was one of my criticisms of it. It just builds yeah. so slowly in throughout the whole beginning. Yeah, and, and granted, I, I get that this is another movie where there is a lot more than just baseball, but it seems that the baseball is, is almost a light thread to, to kind yep. of keep the story moving. I, I tried to watch it again here uh, about six months ago too, Josh. Maybe it's because I was in the off season and I was trying to get excited about baseball again. And I just, I got through it, but I, I really didn't enjoy it. it. It almost felt like a chore watching yep. it. So I, I just, I couldn't get into it. Maybe it's just not my, not my generation, not my calling. I don't yeah, know. I actually had the same experience. I do like I Rookie of the Year, so who ago. knows? I think its biggest problem is that it's it's too slow. And for me, as someone who'd never seen it, the plot just came out of nowhere. The fact that he gets shot in the beginning, yes. I mean, that, that to me was just the weirdest plot twist that I could imagine. And then he disappears for like 15 years, and then he comes back and no one recognizes him. He was supposed to be this heavily lauded prospect, right. and no one knows who he is. So... I don't know about that one. All right. Anything else on these 11 through 15 films? No, I think we covered it. Let's get to the top 10. All right. Top 10. In 10th place, we have Little Big League with an average score of 17.2 out of 30. Jenny, Billy, if you're watching this tape, uh, I guess I'm dead. I'm sorry. Billy, you're my best friend in the world. And I, I want you to have my very favorite thing, the Minnesota Twins. Man, when my grandpa died, all I got was a sweat. First of all, I'd just like to say this is really cool. You mean you own the team and the stadium? Can I borrow five bucks? I would like to announce that I've named myself the new manager of the Minnesota Twins. Go away. Billy, it's not that easy. There's a lot to this game, a lot. You know how hard it is to manage? It's the American League. They got the DH. How hard could it be? I got to go over all this paperwork. Wow, you sound like my dad. This was released in 1994, and it was actually released just one week before Angels in the Outfield. And it starred Luke Edwards, Timothy Busfield, and Ashley Crow, as well as cameos from some of the biggest stars in Major League Baseball at the time, Pudge Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey Jr., and a very salty Lou Piniella, manager of the Mariners. All right, guys, what is your first take on this? Zach, we'll start with you, Little Big League. Yeah, so this is actually the third one that I gave a one on baseball accuracy to, and I, I, I think the reasons are probably obvious. The most obvious thing is that even if there was an heir who inherited a major league franchise, he would never become the manager. At most, he would become the president of baseball ops or the general manager, but he would not be doing the on-field stuff. But I digress. I mean, it's not obviously not meant to be a an exercise in realism. One thing that does occur to me as we has have these discussions is I can never see this movie being remade today because there's not the same cultural draw in baseball that it once had. And this is this is a 94 movie. This was 
not made that long ago. It was in a different era, really. I mean, this is the era that we were growing up in, and I think baseball was much more common, and Little League was played by almost everyone, and everyone wanted to be involved in the major leagues. At least at, at some point in their childhood, they had that dream. That's sad to me, and I think a lot of these movies strike a nostalgia chord with me for that reason. Yeah, I mean, Little Big League, It's I think of it as kind of the richy rich of baseball movies. It's just like the the very spoiled rich kid and it's fun for kids to watch this guy who has more money than we would ever know what to do with. And we watch him step into one of our dreams and it's fun to vicariously live through that. But ultimately not, not a uh, pantheon of baseball filmmaking just because of the realism (laughs) issues and even the on field display of baseball, not realistic in the slightest, but it is fun to have some of the cameos in it. Uh, I think the acting is good. It's a fun, entertaining movie for kids, but that's kind of where it stops. I was thinking about this movie because this, honestly, like Rookie of the Year, uh, have a big nostalgia factor for yeah. me. That How many of us growing up not only wanted to be the star pitcher for the Cubs, like we talk about in Rookie of the Year, but you also talked about your all-star team, the guys around the league who you would bring together to form some super team. And obviously that's not the goal of this movie is he builds an all-star team, but it was really fun for me growing up to look at this little kid trying to do little kid shenanigans. I mean, I am seven years old when this movie comes out and I see it and you see him leading around these grown men. Probably the slapstick comedy of it has certainly worn off. I'll be honest. I didn't rewatch this one in the last six months. I probably saw it about two or three years ago again. And the slapstick is a bit much for me. Um, But overall, guys, remember when this movie came out for our non-baseball fans out there listening, this was the last major strike in Major League Baseball was in 1994 where they uh, they essentially lost almost an entire season. Uh, And so when this movie came out, I remember when it was on TV, uh, I think it was late in what would have been the baseball season. It was really, really exciting to watch this. And for me to kind of take it back, I lost out on a playoffs. I lost out on October baseball. Even as a seven-year-old, this movie obviously didn't fill the void at all but it was really really fun for me to watch and think about a team functioning and just i i don't know seeing guys like randy johnson come back and ken griffey jr it was just awesome to see them in a movie that i watched and i enjoyed so again much like rookie of the year huge nostalgia factor for me i of course was the santa claus of the three of us and rated this much higher I thought we were on a 10-point scale, Zach, so I'm sensing I a trend here was not that. as low as you were. Yeah, it seems that I, uh, I'm just, just a, a nicer softie. movie watcher. So uh, guess, uh, guess I won't be getting any calls for movie reviews here anytime <laughs> soon. But overall, uh, I, I still enjoyed this movie. All right, I want to present a little counter-argument to you guys because I re-watched this movie just a couple days ago, actually. And I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I liked it. I think it's probably a little bit too long. It's probably like 15 minutes too long. It runs two hours. But it's actually a lot funnier than I remember it being. And as a 31-year-old guy who doesn't find like kids' movies from my past that funny anymore, I was laughing out loud watching this movie. And I think some of that is due to the ridiculousness of the plot. But there is like a character in there who is the announcer for the Minnesota Twins. And the only time he talks besides giving a play-by-play is giving super random baseball facts, such as, you know, he's he's homered in every plate appearance on every odd day of the week in the past, you know, just like things <laughs> yeah. that you actually hear during baseball games from announcers when they're trying to fill the space. like that Especially stuff these me... days in our sabermetric-obsessed era. Right. It was almost ahead of its time in, in that sense. And I think I rated this movie a little higher on baseball accuracy because of the inclusion of major league players. So 
the people who are appearing in the movie actually see real like baseball they players, knew, sure. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. And the movie ends, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, uh, tune out for the next 10 seconds. But the movie ends with the twins not winning their their playoff to get into the playoffs as the wildcard spot. And I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, like sometimes the, the team you're rooting for just doesn't win. That's baseball. Especially if that's it's how the twins, it, yeah. Exactly. So if you haven't seen this movie in a while and you're you're sort of on the fence about it, I actually would encourage you to to give it another watch. I think it's really enjoyable. You guys ready to get to the number nine film on Let's our list? Let's do it. Single digits. It's a big step. In the number nine spot with an average score of 17.8 out of 30 is Major League. This was released in 1989 starring Charlie Sheen, Wesley Snipes, and Dennis Habert. Are you in good hands? Harry Doyle here welcoming all of you to another season of Indians baseball. Here's a list of players we'll be inviting to camp. This guy here is dead. Cross him off then. We'd love for you to come to spring training for a shot at this year's club. By the way, you were with me last night. Who's this chick on top of me? We'd still like to take a look at you at our spring camp. Not sure I can make it by then. Who is that? Serrano. What's his religion? Voodoo. Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. How you doing? What the hell league you been playing in? California Penal. Don't you have any proven major league talent? Now I want to put together a team that'll help us relocate to Miami. You want us to lose? We've been losing. What I want is for us to finish dead last. All right, Peter, let's start with you. What did you think of Major League, and are you okay with it in the ninth spot here? That's actually a little higher than I had it in terms of I had it ranked worse on my list. Um, what makes this movie for me, honestly, is Bob Euchre, who is the real-world uh, play-by-play guy for the Milwaukee Brewers, one of the best in the business. I really enjoy him in this movie. I think he makes it. Uh, I think Charlie Sheen, this was probably as close, aside from Two and a Half Men, as Charlie Sheen ever got to his real-life character. But Bob Euchre with just a little outside has to be one of the greatest lines in a baseball movie around. So I really, really enjoy it. Vaughn, a juvenile delinquent in the offseason in his Major League debut. Vaughn into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. I totally agree with the with Pete's point about Bob Euchre just a little outside. For me, I think what makes this movie is Wesley Snipes. I agree. Totally agree. Hilarious. Uh, there's some... There's a, a line that I uh, was reminded of as I was studying up for this podcast, and I won't repeat it on here because it involves some language that's maybe not suitable for some listeners, but uh, it's really funny, and it's delivered in classic trademark Wesley Snipes style. Uh, he's hilarious, and I think this movie's a riot. Again, I just think that this is not one that would be remade today. This is now, we're 30 years after the making of Major League. We wouldn't see this made again, I think, Baseball held a different place in the cultural pantheon in 1989, and maybe it will one day again, but it doesn't right now, which is kind of a bummer, but this one for me is a winner. You know, I like this movie. I think it's I think it's funny. I enjoyed watching it. I think that the beginning of the movie starts off really strong. It's another one that I think is a little bit too long, but I enjoyed it overall, so I'm okay with it in the ninth spot. I think it deserves the top 10. Okay, in the number eight spot, with an average score of 18.7, out of 30, we have Fever Pitch. This was released in 2005 and stars Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore and was written and directed by Bobby and Peter, Oscar winner Farrelly. 
Lindsay Meeks has never met a guy quite like Ben. All right, Lindsay, so what's the matter with this one? I'm about to turn 2010, and instead of becoming more open and available, I'm becoming less open. All the guys you date are competitive and successful. It's like you're dating yourself. Ding, ding, ding. This guy has got such a good vibe. I really think you've got something here. Me too. Something's not quite right. Robin, there's a reason this Ben guy is still single. I'm really gonna take a chance now. Lindsay, will you go to opening day with me? <laughs> yes. She knows he's a fan. Where do the Sox rank in your life? I say Red Sox and breathing. Can you believe this pinhead? She knows he's devoted. This Red Sox thing, it's an obsession. I know, it's just that I hate when it becomes... <laughs> Oopsie. But she's about to discover. They're sending me to Paris to close the deal. And I am taking Moi? Just how committed he really is. We're two games out of first with three weeks left, you know, but this is when they need me. When they need you. What do you think about this film? I'm, I'll give you my quick take first. I really like this film. I, I find it really super enjoyable. I, th I find it pretty charming. It's not the most baseball-focused movie, so it got points taken away uh, for me for that. It's also not the most amazing film that I've ever seen. So technically it got points deducted for that, but my enjoyment level on this film is, is pretty high. So for me, it's, it's actually very similar. I don't think the, the baseball attributes are great. Obviously they've got the footage at the end of him standing on the field in St. Louis after the Red Sox finally break the epic curse in 2004, which is pretty neat. Um, but for me, I think where I really enjoy this film is in watching the, I don't even really know how to describe but watching how Drew Barrymore's character attempts to deal with Jimmy Fallon's obsessiveness with the Red Sox and that she didn't see it coming until the season starts and it's like a brand new guy and she's trying to understand why yeah. he does what he does and he's trying to explain why he is the way he is. Um, and the three of us are diehard baseball fans. I know most of us spend a lot of evenings with at least baseball on in the background and trying to explain to our families why we want to watch this random game on the West Coast that no one seems to care about. So it's it's very, very fun for me to look at a movie, which is obviously a lot of hyperbole, very exaggerated. Uh, but overall, I, I feel like I can I can connect with this movie in a lot of other ways that I couldn't with the rookies of the year, the little big leagues, the major leagues that this this one was kind of fun because it obviously isn't about an everyday guy, but it's about everyday guy um, kind of dark wants and needs to just be obsessed with his team and for nothing else to matter. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty spot on. I think this is a fun one. Um I know when it came out Bill Simmons kind of earlier in his it was earlier in his career because this is what 14 years ago now. So he was at ESPN at the time. Sports guy Bill Simmons, he uh said he didn't like it because he thought it was just ridiculous and no true Red Sox fan would uh give up season tickets for love. <laughs> so there's a little mini controversy about how realistic the portrayal of it was, so maybe that gets it knocked down in the realism rankings a little bit. Uh, I will say that this uh, movie, they changed it after the original screenplay to have the Red Sox winning the World Series because the Red Sox, this was before, when the screenplay was written, it was before their 2004 win. And it, they thought it was a little bit unrealistic to have the Red Sox actually winning the World Series. So they were originally going to, I think, win the ALCS or something, but then lose in the World Series, uh, or maybe just lose earlier in the playoffs. But after the 2004 win, they changed the screenplay, had the Red Sox winning the World Series. So that's kind of fun. But ultimately, I think this, although there are certainly some points lost for realism, and if I'm being consistent in my Bull Durham criticism, this one is also really a, a love movie. It's not a strictly baseball movie, so I have to knock it for that. I do think this is a fun, uh, fun tale about 
Boston sports fandom, though, even if Bill Simmons disagrees. Uh, you know, and anytime you have Dropkick Murphys make an appearance on the movie soundtrack, you know you're getting a good Boston film. So, all right, guys, I have a question for you about this film. Jimmy Fallon, good or bad in this movie? Good, because he's being himself and just being the the wacky guy that he is. He's not the world's greatest actor, but I yeah. think he is a fun comedic role. I think that's spot on. I I've never been impressed by Jimmy Fallon's acting abilities but he's a funny guy and I think for that reason he was good in this role. Yeah, I think for his his scene alone when he fake proposes to her by asking her to opening day and then he does the Jimmy Stewart voice from It's Wonderful Life, I, I think for that reason alone, I give him thumbs up for this movie. You guys ready to move on? Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's go. We're in the top half of our rankings here at number seven with an average score of 18.8 out of 30. We have For Love of the Game, released in 1999, starring... You guessed it, Kevin Costner, Kelly Preston, and John C. Riley, directed by Sam Raimi, with a cameo from Vince Scully. Billy Chappell is 40 years old, arm-weary and aching. And you know, Steve, I have a feeling Billy Chappell isn't pitching against the Yankees. He's pitching against time. Chappell, you suck! You can always tell when I'm in New York. And tonight, he might be able to use that aching old arm one more time to push the sun back up in the sky and give us one more day of summer. Zach, what did you think of this film? I mean, I think it's a little bit overwrought. I think uh, Sam Raimi should stick with uh, horror films like The Grudge. But I do think what saves this is the Vin Scully announcing because people like us grew up with Vin Scully. I mean, and even our parents grew up with Vin Scully, right? What was the first first game he called i think it was in the 1950s right so he's been the voice until 20 end of the 2017 season was the voice of the dodgers and so so many people if you were a fan of baseball anywhere in america in that span of time you know vin scully's voice and you'd heard it time and time again and so having him appear in that boosted the realism of the movie for sure and so that boosted my realism rankings and i think gave the movie a a tinge of uh like emotive power that uh was not totally undercut by Kevin Costner's overwrought acting performance. So uh, definitely a mixed bag, but not all bad for me. Boy, I continue to be the Santa Claus, and I'm I'm a big fan of Kevin Costner and all these movies. Are you that really? We talk about. I I, I oh, am. Wow. I think this is the worst of his baseball movies. Um, I'll tell you what I do like about this. Whereas exactly like you said, Zach, it is a love story with baseball kind of yeah. showing up randomly throughout. Um, I like all of the scenes that occur in Yankee Stadium. Filming in a baseball stadium is tough because the angles are not good. Yes. You'll find that that the way that you just have to set it up, it takes a lot of takes. It's very hard to make it look realistic. But rewatching for the love of the game about seven, eight months ago, again, when we first started talking about this, I think the angles are pretty good. And I think what it lacks for true baseball-isms, it kind of makes up for in the, the way it comes across in the cinematography of that. So I enjoyed the, the Yankee Stadium. I enjoyed Vince Scully calling it a cathedral. So I like that. The story, pretty bleh. But overall, um, Vince Gulling, Yankee Stadium, save it for me. You know, I thought this movie dragged too much. I mean, the fact that it, it took me about 30 or 40 minutes into the movie to realize that this is just going to cover one game of his career, which I don't hate as a concept, but that makes the rest of the movie rely on flashbacks, which dramatically just doesn't do much for me. Like, I wasn't super into his story. I would have been more interested had we seen the baseball game play out sort of in a row instead of continuing to cut back and forth out of it. One thing I did note about this movie is that it had a budget of $80 million, and I cannot for the life of me figure out what they spent the money on. 
for this movie. I mean, I guess they had to fill a stadium and and shoot a lot in the actual stadium, but man, eighty million dollars—that is a lot of money for. And a that's baseball twenty movie. years ago too. Yeah, so that's even wow. more in in today's day and age. So you know, I'm not sure what they spent the money on. Maybe it was uh, Kevin Costner pitching coach. It was Kevin Costner's salary. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, he's a big star, Oscar winner at that point. And guys, I think we need to focus a little bit. So clear the mechanism and let's move on to the number six movie, which is with a score of 19.7 out of 30, The Rookie. This film was released in 2002 and starred Dennis Quaid. Jimmy Morris, well on his way to another World Series title. Fifteen years ago. You got your shot at baseball. You got hurt. Jimmy Morris put his dreams aside. Coach. Counselor. Don't report that, Esther. I never do. But sometimes. Hey, Coach. You want to throw? I'll throw a couple. Yeah, Dad, bring the heat. When you least expect it. Oh, my God! (laughs) Dreams come back to life. I threw today. How hard? Pretty hard. Anybody want to tell me how we lost that game? Quit out there. I'm talking about having dreams. You don't have dreams, you don't have anything. You're the one who should be wanting something more. Last time I checked, scouts aren't looking for high school science teachers. We start winning, you try out again. You serious? Yeah. All right. So the district champion, now it's your turn, Coach. Just have to point out, guys, Dennis Quaid was 48 when they made this movie. So another older guy playing wow. what was yeah. supposed to be a younger person. I think I looked up. He was the the real life person. This is based on a true story. Was something like 35 or 36 yeah. when, that, he, when he made the comeback. Because 48 not realistic, but 35 you could do. Not at all. Unless your name is Bartolo Colon. 48 is not super realistic. Zach. You suggested we add this to the list, so I'll let you kick this off. Tell me what you like about this movie, and do you find it to be in a good spot at number six? Yeah, I think number six is, I mean, maybe a little bit high. I would say top 10, but probably the lower side of top 10. Dennis Quaid is, I mean, I'm not a huge Dennis Quaid fan. I think he overacts all the time, and I think he just is way too dramatic, especially in this movie. I mean, this is a it's a Disney film. It's a, it's a obviously, family-focused, kid-targeted Disney film. I can't believe it was made in 2002. I remember seeing this in theaters and I can't believe and that was 17 years ago that I saw this, but I was a big baseball fan at that point in my life. It was actually around the time that I started playing baseball because I didn't play baseball till I was a little bit older, uh, kind of the upper end of Little League. And, but I, uh, I took to it like a fish in water and it just became like the center of my life for a few years in my childhood. And I saw this movie at that point in my life. So I really, really liked it. I remember being dissatisfied by the plot line because he didn't go on to you know win the world series i think he pitched a little bit for the rays and he had had a strikeout or something i mean it was it was pretty anticlimactic as far as sports movies go but probably more realistic than uh than if he had been the mvp of a world series and i think in the in the story that inspired it 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 was a similar thing so it was relatively true to the inspiration in that sense um, but I think it was good. Uh, I mean, watching it now as an adult, I definitely pick up on things that I didn't as a kid that that caused me to push it down the rankings a little bit more. But it, it was fun and it was enjoyable. And it, I have good memories of it, which no doubt biases my rankings a little bit. Well, I think the interesting thing about this movie, Zach, to your point, it is a Disney film. So it is a little bit saccharine sweet, you know, like it doesn't yep, have yep. a lot of edge to it. Not that this story needs edge. When I rewatch it. It's no it, Bull Durham. 
No, it's no Bull Durham. <laughs> when I when I rewatched the movie, I, I did like it more than I remembered liking it initially. For some reason, I had it in my mind that his son was sort of like this goofy character when I first saw it, but he's actually not. He's just like a, a normal kid, so he didn't take, a, take away from it at all. The funny thing about the movie is that this was made in 2002. The real-life story happened in 1999 and 2000, so they got to work on this really That's pretty quickly. quick, yeah. Yeah, they They're turned like this writing thing the around. screenplay as the guy's trying out. Right, and it's funny because at the end, they, you know, throw up a little thing on the screen, a little words that says, you know, he pitched in the major leagues for two seasons, which is technically true. He pitched at the very <laughs> end of the 99 season and for one month in the 2000 season before he hurt himself again. So they did take some liberties with what they said about him there. You know, it's a fun story. One thing that really got me in this movie is that there's a father-son relationship that now that I'm a father myself, struck home a little bit more as listeners of the podcast are aware i am a very emotional person and so this one definitely got me at the end of the film when he sort of reconciles with his father i forgot that it happened and when i rewatched it 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 definitely struck home peter what about you what do you think about this movie yeah i i think you guys pretty much hit the nail on the head it's a little cheesy for me i think it's still a a feel-good story which i think bumps it back up a few and kind of makes up for the cheesiness uh I, I just thought Randy Quaid was over the top. I, I'm i sorry, Dennis Quaid. Randy Quaid would be way over the top, but Dennis <laughs> Quaid. Um, I like that Dennis Quaid did all of his own pitching that I saw when I was looking up this movie. So I, I think that there are a lot of little nuances that bump this movie up a little more than what I remember when I was watching it in the mid-2000s. Overall, good, not great. I, I'd certainly watch it again, though. Do you guys know what, what uh, this is just a, a little trivia here, Jim Morris, the guy who the movie's based on, do you know what his career war is? And for podcast listeners who are not baseball fans, war is, it stands for wins above replacement, and it's basically a measure of how much better or worse you are than a replacement level player that, that was like just called up from the minors to fill your spot because you had to take a day off. Do you guys have a guess of what his career war is? It's got to be just above zero. Negative point one. Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Okay. Okay. Not great. But hey, he made it to the major leagues, and, and none, none of us have, so that's yeah, something. that's true. That's true. Well, we're not 35 yet, so you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. All right, you guys ready to get to our top five? Here we go. Let's roll. This Here is, we go. This is exciting. All of these were separated by a score of just three and a half points, so this was really close. In our number five spot, with an average score of 21 out of 30, Drumroll, please. A League of Their Own. This was released in 1992 and directed by Penny Marshall, star Gina Davis, Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna, and Tom Hanks. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift, may our bats be mighty, may our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible. The Rockford Peaches. Peaches! Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? (laughs) There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. When you say we slip in the back seat, you make a man out of me. We should I smack you around for a while. Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it! I'm a peach! A Rockford peach! The scout, John Lovitz. 
Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. The best thing I can say is that I love Tom Hanks, and I think he does a great job in this film. The The realism lacks. Uh, the on-field portrayal, I think, uh, is also lacking, but I think this, this film's enjoyable, if only because of the cast. Uh, I mean, O'Donnell and Madonna are certainly talented entertainers, and then Tom Hanks is is almost without peer as an actor. So I think there's really good acting. Uh, realism suffers, but I think it's an enjoyable film. I am a huge fan of this movie, to be honest. And maybe it was just all the times it was on Saturday night movies on ABC when they used to show those. But I, I think about, just like you said, Zach, Tom Hanks. And this was early in Tom Hanks's career. And you think about all the classic lines he has about there's no crying in baseball and, and all these back and forth things. Opposed to some other movies where I thought the slapstick might be a little bit too much, the slapstick in this movie I find to this day to be hilarious. I think of Tom Hanks throwing the glove at the little kid who's marching across the dugout and knocks him over. Hilarious. I'm laughing just thinking about it right now. <laughs> but but overall, as you're, as you're watching uh, these very talented, I think, actresses playing baseball players, I think they do a good job of representing it. Obviously, there's a lot of holes we can poke in the overall story and the baseball realism, which knocked it down a few points for me. But overall, I found it to be a really entertaining movie um, and kind of out of the norm when we talk about all of these leading ladies. Uh, obviously, they're with Tom Hanks, who's carrying them, but a movie that is carried almost exclusively, I would say, by Gina Davis more than anyone else, which... Yeah. Uh, it's it was something different and so i was glad to see that this was on our list yeah i think it's definitely deserving of a top five rating in our in our rankings here i think that the thing that gets me most about the baseball accuracy is i despite how much i love tom hanks as an actor there is no way i buy him as a former major league player who hit like 450 home runs there's just no way and i think that for me like when he's taking batting practice by himself and knocking balls over the fence i'm like dude there's you, you're forrest gump there's no way you're you're Woody from <laughs> Toy Story. You you can't hit home runs. So that for me like took it down a notch. I actually thought the baseball that the all women baseball league that was fine. I mean, you know, I don't think it was meant to be like the major league that we know today. It was set in the 1940s, so I think that right. it was accurate enough. You know, and I think that in terms of we haven't talked a lot about like quality of the actual films of any of these much yet, but what I will say about this film is that the, the movie is bookended by quote-unquote modern times for whenever this was released, so like early 90s, and the women are going to the Baseball Hall of Fame to sort of see their exhibit opened. And I actually felt like this made the movie a little bit worse than it actually could have been. I felt like those parts dragged a little bit. I felt like it could have used some sort of like a narrator or something to help drive that forward a little bit. So that for me took it down just a little bit, but I think definitely worthy of a top five spot in our rankings here. One other question I had about this movie, could this be remade today? Well, I think it, I think it could, but I guess the question I think I would ask is, would it? And like I've been saying about a lot of these, there's just not the cultural appetite for baseball movies these days. So I think it'd be harder. Now, I, I do think though, that there'd be more of an appetite for this movie to be remade than, uh, than some of the other ones we've talked about, because I think this, and, the, and, and if it were to be remade, I think it would be remade with some, you know, implicit cultural messaging about, you know, inclusion and equality in sports, which are certainly good things. But I think for that reason, there might be a little bit more appetite to get this movie remade today. Yeah, I, I think they could absolutely do it. I think it would probably have a 
better reaction, I would argue, than it did in the in the early '90s when it came out the first time. I mean, you think about some of the strong women we have in the entertainment industry right now. Uh, you think of, for some reason, immediately I think of like Lady Gaga could play Kit here, or Madonna's character. And, yep, and I, I think of the all these thing. very strong women who. I don't, I don't know, maybe it could get away from them and it'd be, it would just be too much personality for this movie. But overall, I think we have the right females in the entertainment industry right now to do it. I just don't know exactly like Zach said, if there's the appetite to pair it to a baseball movie. So, so who are we going to cast in this? We're going we're gonna to cast Lady Gaga and... I think, I think Lady Gaga in Madonna's, in, in Madonna's role. Yeah, Amy Schumer could be good. I think for some reason, I'm thinking like one of the uh, Marvel Chrises as the Tom Hanks role. So you get like... Yeah, like Chris Evans, Captain America playing the Tom Hanks role, or maybe even Chris Hemsworth, if you need a comedic oh, yeah, side. Yeah, I see that. think he could be good. I don't know. I think the the hardest role to cast now might be the Gina Davis role. Like that is that's a tough that's a tough role. I think it she did it really well when this movie came out in the nineties. I think it would take some uh some thought to see who who could play that role. I do think uh it might be best suited for a, a ten episode Netflix series, as Bill Simmons likes to say, on the rewatchables. So <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. I, I would watch that for sure. That'd be fun. Yeah, I would too. And I do think a story like this that, that follows the arc of a league, I think that is very well suited to a Netflix series. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get Hollywood on this. Let's get a 10-episode Netflix series, League of Their Own remake. Boom. Let's write the script. We'll sell it. Yeah, as they like to say, let's open up Final Draft and let's, uh, let's get the script going and then we'll sell it, it to them. All right, let's get into our top four here. With an average score of 22.2, in the fourth spot is Field of Dreams, released in 1989, starring Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, Ray Liotta, and James Earl Jones. I have just created something totally illogical. That's what I like about it. Ray is. <laughs> I think I know what if you build it, he will come means. Ooh, why do I not think this is such a good thing? Daddy, there's a man out there on your lawn. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. Hey, is this heaven? No, it's Iowa. Kevin Costner, Amy Madigan, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, Burt Lancaster. Sometimes, when you believe the impossible, the incredible comes true. Field of Dreams. And just as a fun fact for you guys, two famous movie stars worked as extras in this movie. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon both appeared. Oh. Actually, you can't see them, but they were in the stands at Fenway Park during those scenes. No kidding. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. For me, this movie is definitely top five worthy. It's probably, I think I ranked it second overall. Um, this is one of my favorite movies and rewatching it, it holds up. It's a little stranger than I remember it. You know, it's a, it's definitely like a fantasy movie, but it definitely holds up. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with the father son story that's at its sort of core. And I think that for me, pushes it up towards the top this movie was actually tied for my number one so uh this to me is the penultimate baseball movie um i love it exactly like you said josh it's a little odd when you watch it it definitely 
reeks of the 80s in a lot of ways and yeah, not I totally just the agree. clothing but Absolutely. the script is a little odd the interactions between the the characters is a little odd but overall there is something about this movie i to this day 100% serious cannot get through it without tearing up a little at the end when he asks his dad to have a catch i think the family members honestly this sounds terrible detract a little from the story but it is the james earl jones the kevin costner mm-hmm. and then his father's relationship that is just so intriguing to me and watching that journey they take uh, regardless of what the relationship is with your dad or your sons or however this is working for any of our listeners out there it is just a great movie about the the human condition and again they use baseball as the story to kind of weave it throughout and talk about this journey about reconnecting with someone you've lost so heavily but at the same time it's it's probably the way it ends but overall it is just such a heartstrings movie for me had to be tied for number one is the the greatest baseball movie for me personally yeah i think all that's spot on i would say i mean for me it's not it's not quite tied with number one but it's up there and I ranked, I'm actually pretty low on baseball accuracy just because it's not, it's not a movie about like the game of baseball. It's a movie about, I don't know, it's about the sport of baseball, I guess. Like it's not about the mechanics of the game. We don't see extended sequences of baseball action in it. And, you know, at the end we have these like ghosts of baseball players, right? So it's a, it's a different type of baseball movie, but, and you're right, Pete, there is stuff that, like you said, reeks of the eighties. It's, 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 it's from a, a bygone era in some ways. But at the same time, there's something about the movie, and and I think as I as I think about like the first time I saw Field of Dreams, I was a little bit older. I was a I think like a teenager. I was not a young kid, and I was just like, "What is going on here? Like this is just this is not what I was expecting from this movie that everyone has told me I need to see." But on further reflection, I think this movie is it's kind of a, a spiritual movie in a sense. It's it's like a movie about human relationships, like you said, Pete. It's about the human condition. I think this movie is for baseball. What Friday Night Lights later became for football. Like, how does baseball unite people? And what is the place of baseball in American life? And what does it mean and represent for people? And how does it enable and facilitate relationships? And for that, I think, and for the commentary that it provides, even if it's kind of a, in a quirky 80s style of doing it, I think this is this is a great film and definitely deserving of a top spot on our list. Yeah, I think that there are so many moments in this film that, make me emotional and i think that if you don't tear up at the dad you want to have a catch line i mean i the thing about it is i know that line is coming i know it's coming the <laughs> whole movie up, yeah. and i'm still sitting there like with the music swelling and this helicopter shot pulling back to show them playing catch as the cars pull in to to see this field i just think there's something that's so that's like that's like movie magic to me like for me when a movie can make you feel like that without really doing anything over the top, it's just like the reason that you feel emotional about it is because it's a real connection between a father and a son. And that, and now that I have a son, it's like, it's like, get, get, get me out of here. It's like game over. Yeah. So for me, this is definitely one of my favorite baseball movies. And I think we have to probably all agree that up there with there's no crying in baseball. The, if you build it, he will come is one of the most iconic lines in in sports movies overall. It it might be the most iconic. I think so too. You guys ready to get to the top three? Here we go. Top three. I think that any of these three probably could have taken the number one spot, but let's start with number three and then we'll get into our top two with a score of 22.8 out of 30. We've got the Sandlot, released in 1993 and written and directed by David Mickey Evans, who also, fun fact, narrates the film. 
stars a whole slew of young actors who you probably recognize from other things. It also stars Karen Allen, Dennis Leary, and James Earl Jones, who maybe is just the magic for a top five baseball movie here. I know you're smart and I'm proud of you. I want you to make some friends this summer. Meet Scotty Smalls. Kyle, get it! The kid is a L7 weenie. My life is over. Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. Just have fun. Climb trees, hop fences, get into trouble. Just stand there and stick your glove out in the air. I'll take care of it. Now he's in. Yeah! All right! With the coolest guys in the neighborhood. They've got the look. Wendy Peppercorn. Wow. Hey, girls. They've got the moves. (laughs) They've got the rap. Blockhead! Geek, jerk, idiot, moron. You bob for apples in the toilet, and you like it. You play ball like a girl. Yeah. I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, no. Zach, you had this film ranked very high. I think it might have been your number one film overall. So tell us about The Sandlot. Yeah, I'm looking at my rankings now, actually. I didn't realize at the time that I had given it my number one spot, but uh, and I think if I was, if you were asking me to order these, I would have a different movie in my number one that I'll talk about in just a minute, I think. But if you average out my rankings, the Sandlot does come out just ahead of another one. And the reason is I gave it a number 10 in the baseball accuracy section. And the reason I did that is just because this is our childhood. I mean, this is what it was like to grow up as a kid who liked baseball and played baseball with friends. So yeah, there's slapstick humor in it. And uh, yes, it's true that not every baseball sequence in the movie is exactly real or based on real physics, etc. But I gave it a 10 for accuracy in some ways hung in cheek just because this is what it was like to grow up as a kid and have friends that I played baseball in my backyard with. And I think it's I think it's an enduring classic. Lots of classic lines and scenes from this one as well. And this one will be a classic for years to come. And I'll watch this one with my kids for sure. I mean, you're killing me, Smalls. Just kidding. I totally agree with everything you said. Totally agree. Um, The slapstick humor is right on point. Exactly like you said, Zach. This, like a couple other ones, is a big nostalgia factor, but not because of something I dreamed of, but because I experienced. I mean, how many of us lost a tennis ball or lost a baseball in a neighbor's yard, couldn't get back? I love this movie from start to finish. Everything from the scene where he pretends to drown so he can kiss the lifeguard, which I did not do, but overall hilarious to 12-year-old me. Um, I I just love this movie from start to finish. I think that the reason that this movie is so enduring is because it really is about childhood and it's about kind of that experience everybody wants to have, making friends and, and that that idea that you don't have anything else to worry about except playing baseball and hanging out and being with your friends. And I think especially as adults, now that we're all working and we all have families, that is the big nostalgia factor there that, you know, it'd be fun to just go back and just have a summer like that again. I think that the lines in the film are really, really funny. I gave this one, I think my highest enjoyment rating. I think it got a nine and a half out of 10. It probably could have gotten a 10 out of 10. But my favorite line in the whole movie that makes me laugh every time is when he says he thinks they're talking about the great Bambi and he responds, that wimpy deer. (laughs) I just find that line so funny. (laughs) You know, I think that it was probably me who brought this down like out out of what probably would have been the number one spot. And I think that I took the 
quality rating and the baseball accuracy rating a little too seriously here. You know, like the the baseball stuff, it is like little league baseball, so it's only it's only so amazing right. in terms of like the baseball aspect of it. But it yeah. was one of our categories, so I ranked it thusly. You know, I do enjoy it. I think it's a really really great film. And I actually think that contrary to some movies, the narration for this movie helps it immensely. I think it drives the movie forward. I think mm-hmm. it's really well done. And I think that helps make it such a good film. All right, top two. So here's what I'll do. I'll give you the number one film and then I'll give you the number two film so we can have sort of a big reveal for our number one film. The two that we have left in no particular order are 42 and Moneyball. So the number one film, drumroll please, with a score of 24.3, beat out the number two film, which had a score of 23.7. So just 0.6 separated the top two films. The number one film is Moneyball. All right. Which makes our number two film 42. So we'll talk about 42 first, and then we'll get into Moneyball as our last film here. So 42 was released in 2013 and starred The King of Wakanda, Chadwick Boseman and Harrison Ford. It broke the record for highest box office for a baseball movie when it opened with $27 million at the box office. My daddy left us. I was only six months older than you are now. I don't remember him. You will remember me. Jackie Robinson. Black man in white baseball. I want you to know I'm there for you. Yeah, my heart. Think about the abuse that he's gonna take. Your enemy will be out in force, but you cannot meet him on his own low ground. What you gonna do if one of these pictures throws through your head? I'll duck. <laughs> Mark my words and circle this date. Negroes are gonna run the white man straight out of baseball. This ain't the America I know. You hear me? If they knew you, they would be ashamed. If Robinson can help us win, then he is going to play on this ball club. You don't belong here, and you never will. Get off the field. Brooklyn Dodgers ain't changing our way of living. Wearing me down. You are not the only one with something at stake here. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. You give me a uniform. You give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. Peter, what do you think of 42? Do you think it deserves the number two spot on our rankings? Absolutely, and I'm probably just biased because that's exactly where I ranked it. But overall, I... I really enjoyed this movie and not just because of the the social commentary that we get, which we don't get in a lot of these other movies, which I thought was on point in in terms of how they described Jackie Robinson coming up and the struggles he dealt with. But overall, guys, it's just a good baseball movie. And I think if you enjoy the sport at all, it is really, really fun for you to watch and fun for you to kind of be on the journey throughout. I mean, everything from Harrison Ford is the old crotchety guy who somehow starts coming around to uh, John C. McGinley, who is Dr. Cox from Scrubs uh, as Vin Scully and on point 
as Vin Scully, who we've already talked about, as just being one of the iconic voices of baseball. It is just from top to bottom. It is such a well-done movie and such an impactful movie in showing the trials and tribulations and then the ultimate overcoming of these trials and tribulations. Um, it's just, it's a really uplifting movie, but I don't feel like it glosses over a lot of the struggles. Obviously, there's only so much you can do in a two-hour-plus movie, but overall, uh, it really felt like you were on the journey with him. You really had, you were really feeling for the Robinson family as they were dealing with a lot of these, and you were really rooting for them. You know the ending, but you know how when you watch a movie, even when you know the ending, there's still that suspense as you're working your way through it. That was, for me, the second half of 42. I just, I really, really enjoyed this movie, which is surprising because there aren't a whole lot of movies aside from Moneyball that have been made in the last 10 years about the sport of baseball. And this one I have, I have sitting as number two. Zach, are you surprised that it took us this long to get a movie about Jackie Robinson? I mean, it seems like this, this is like ripe for filmmaking. Like in the, as soon as the story ended, like as soon as his baseball story ended. Yes. I'm very surprised. I obviously am glad that it finally happened. And I think this movie is very well done. So, so in a sense, I am glad that it happened when it did, because this was, I think the right team to bring it to the screen. But yes, I'm shocked that it took this long because this is one of the great, uh, the great stories in American sports, and certainly one of the great stories about African American participation in sports. I mean, right up there with you know Jesse Owens. Um, and there's no reason that it should have taken this long. Jackie Robinson is such an amazing person. If you've read any any uh, biography of him, that's very evident. This movie packs in what it can in two hours, but you know I encourage people to go go read more about this guy because he was a titan the one thing i'll add to what pete said which i completely agree with is that this movie has been criticized by some for historical inaccuracies but when you look at the list of supposed inaccuracies and there are a few but i, I would consider them more the movie are you know taking some artistic liberties they're not substantial and so the the thrust of what the movie portrays as systemic and persistent racism that tried to stymie jackie robinson's career all of that is very true there might be some details about you know very specific incidents that are um, portrayed in a way that that plays a little bit better on film, but that's I think the way we should we should want it in a, a movie that is um, for education and for entertainment. You know, there's like a, a few little tiny fact things, but overall this movie hits the nail on the head and is very accurate. To give you an example of one of these supposed inaccuracies, there's a, a baseball scene where Jackie Robinson hits the game-winning home run. Uh, that clinches the pennant for the Dodgers. Well, in reality, he didn't hit the game-winning home run. He hit the go-ahead home run in a game that the Dodgers eventually won, and then they clinched the pennant the next day. So that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. It's not totally false. It's just it's just you know amping up the drama a little bit. And like I said, the the general thrust of what it's portraying about Jackie Robinson and the obstacles he faces, 100% accurate. Uh, and for that reason, I think this is a great film, definitely deserving of a number two spot on our list. Zach, to your point. Maureen and I have talked about this on the podcast before about what is the responsibility of a filmmaker or any creative artist to bring a story that is based on a true life event or true life person. What is their responsibility to bring it completely accurately? And I agree with you here that in a case where they're not disparaging character, I think it's okay to take artistic license and make something more yeah. dramatic for the purposes of a film. It just makes it more for exciting sure. for an audience. Now, if they're going to say something negative and untrue about Jackie Robinson, then that would be something different. But in a case where they're just trying to up the dramatic 
sense of the film, I think that's okay right. to take that license and and do that for the film. And I will say one of the things you didn't mention, Zach, as one of the inaccuracies is there's a point in the film where he gets hit in the, the forehead with a baseball and the bandage they use wasn't even invented till the 1990s. Yikes. What oh, an inaccuracy. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. The filmmakers really dropped the ball there. No. Bumping it down my list. Yeah, exactly. No, I think this is a really <laughs> good film. This is one of the few that's on our list that's on Netflix right now. So if you haven't seen it, it's definitely worth the watch. And Chadwick Boseman is really good as Jackie Robinson. He's actually done, he's been in like a lot of historical films about real life famous black americans he was in a movie about thurgood marshall he was in a movie about uh, james brown so like this guy can do it all and also as i mentioned he's the king of wakanda in black panther so right good actor and i think this movie is definitely deserving of the number two spot all right that brings us to our number one film which i think all of us had ranked really high it was my number one film i think it was zach's as well it was peter's one or two or three really high up there so it is Moneyball. It was released in 2011, co-written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Bennett Miller, starring Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Robin Wright, and Chris Pratt. There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. That's a dollar, man. What? Welcome to Oakland. I need more money. We're not New York. Find players with the money that we do have. I like Perez. Got an ugly girlfriend. Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. You guys are talking the same old nonsense. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. Who's Fabio? Your goal shouldn't be to buy players. Your goal should be to buy wins. And in order to buy wins, you need to buy runs. Who are you? I'm Peter Brand. First job in baseball? It's my first job anywhere. We're gonna shake things up. Why don't you walk me through the board? I believe there's a championship team that we can afford because everyone else undervalues them, like an island of misfit toys. We want you at first base. I've only ever played catcher. It's not that hard, Scott. Tell him, watch. It's incredibly hard. They can't throw. But what can he do? You want me to speak? When I point you again. He gets on base. We are card counters at the blackjack table. We're gonna turn the odds on the casino. I'm heading in. Text me to play by play. Wait, what? I don't watch the games. Billy Bean has tried to reinvent a system that's been working for years. It was a nice theory, just not working out. This is one of only two movies on our list that was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. The other one was Field of Dreams. And this was actually nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. I think the pedigree behind this film is probably the most impressive of all the films we've talked about. But Zach, tell me why you think this movie deserves a number one spot on our list. Man, I could go on for a long time about why this is the case, but you guys obviously know I'm a baseball fan, but you also know that I'm a big sabermetrics guru and love digging into the stats behind the game. And that's one thing that baseball offers more than any other professional sport can because, well, there's a bunch of reasons, but one is because of roster size and one is because of just the sheer number of data points, you know, pitches thrown and then every pitch that's thrown has... Uh, horizontal movement and lateral movement and spin rate and velocity, um, all types of things. And same thing with bat swings and launch angles when the ball hits the bat. I mean, there, there, there are an almost infinite number of data points generated from any singular baseball game. And when you extrapolate that over 162 games that each team plays in the season, you, you just get a lot of data to work with. And it's, it's really fun. And so I love the way that Moneyball tries to make that 
tangible for the casual fan and highlight these ways that Billy Bean, uh, and they take some artistic license in doing this, but highlight these ways that Billy Bean and his team of leadership in the Oakland A's front office tried to find some value in the margins for a small market team that didn't have money to compete with the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees of the world in the early 2000s. And uh, like I said, there are some artistic licenses that the movie takes. Uh, Jonah Hill's character, for example, is a great character in the movie, but he's not real. Uh, there was no real Jonah Hill. It was He's kind of a composite of several front office uh, people who were with the Oakland A's and Billy Bean. But a lot of the, uh, the characters that he signs, almost all the characters that he signs are real life. Uh, people, the uh, the movie doesn't have the Oakland A's winning the World Series. It has them losing out right when they did lose out in the uh, in the season, in the playoffs. The movie was good in portraying the real-life struggles of Billy Bean, you know, divorced dad who's trying to do the, the best by his daughter and uh, take care of his kid and balancing that with trying to pursue a championship like every general manager does. Uh, and so I think it's just a really good portrayal. Brad Pitt does a really good job. Jonah Hill does a really good job. It's a fun movie all around, and it it has something for everyone. My wife enjoys it, and she's not a baseball fan, but she enjoys the intro for the casual fan that the movie presents and the interpersonal dynamics there. Um, Chris Pratt makes an appearance as one of the the signed players, uh, and I love it because it satisfies all of my baseball stats nerd needs, but also is a fun and entertaining watch what i liked about this movie first exactly like zach said it's a real story which some of these we've talked about are are not great in terms of realism and this is not a documentary obviously very dramatized but at the same time based on something real that happened what i also thought was so interesting about this movie that also makes it so enjoyable for me is it took an idea that had been floating around baseball for five or six years at this point obviously billy bean was doing this in the late 90s early 2000s but for like five or six years prior to the, the movie coming out, it was just being talked about. And this movie put it on the map and, and maybe it catapulted it a little further uh, than anyone really thought it would go and maybe blew it up a little more than anyone thought it would go. But overall, it was really exciting for me for them to talk about an idea that I had heard on ESPN in the infancy of MLB Network and wasn't really that into but knew something about watched a movie in Hollywood starring Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, of all people, uh, talking about this real idea and, and making it something entertaining and making it something enjoyable that I could talk to non-devout baseball fans about and get their opinion on. And, and Zach, just like you said, I, I think if you enjoy sports at all, this is an, an interesting movie for you. So it, it grabbed a yeah. lot of people's attention. It had an all-star cast to kind of keep it moving along the tracks to make sure it really got the traction it deserved. But overall, it was just fun to see something that I had heard a little about, didn't quite understand but was interested in, become a Hollywood movie with real actors I knew and and be enjoyable and be something I could talk about. So it was it was it was really fun. It was really fun when that movie came out. Guys, I have to say this movie has really good acting like Brad Pitt is really good in this. Yeah. And I think that this this may have been like I can't remember exactly, but this is the first time I saw Jonah Hill in a movie and I was like, this guy can act. He's, he's like really good. He's legit good. And he got nominated for an Oscar for it. Like it's it's a really well done movie overall. I mean, like anytime you have Aaron Sorkin attached as one of your writers, I mean, that's yeah. exactly, you know, you're, yeah. you know, you're on the right track there. The other thing that I will say about this movie is that a lot of the actors in it were former minor league baseball players. So, for example, the guy who played David Justice in the film is played by Stephen Bishop, who was a former pro baseball player. And he was a career minor leaguer, but he had a he had a batting style 
and a playing style really similar to David Justice. So that helped increase the accuracy of the film overall because they cast people who actually knew what they were doing when it came to the baseball stuff. The one thing that I will say about this movie that took it down just a little bit for me, it's just a minor criticism, but for me, I wasn't as invested in the character of Billy Bean as I, as I wanted to be. I didn't feel emotionally connected to him in a way that I felt emotionally connected to a lot of the other characters in other films we already talked about. And I think a lot of this is due to the fact that they were trying to balance the story of a man, Billy Bean, and then this system that he implemented in Oakland, which is really the star of the film. Like the ideas that he brought to the Oakland A's and the fact that they were able to win so many games. And, you know, that was really the star. So I think when they tried to do you know, show him as a lonely person. I think it worked sometimes, but I wasn't as invested in him as a character as I wanted to be. But overall, this film is definitely number one in my book, and I think it's a well-deserved number one ranking overall in our rankings. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Popcast. This was really fun. If you guys liked hearing the rankings of the baseball movies and you'd like to hear us do rankings of other films or other types of films, please let us know. Peter, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Zach, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think next time maybe we should do a ranked list of all Nicolas Cage films. Oh, man. I'd be so into that. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks to our listeners. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. Talk to you then. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Well, I have the recording going on uh, the Skype call, too, so we'll have lots of backups. Excellent. Sounds good. And it it said, for legal reasons, I should tell you that I'm recording this call. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) I I do see the notification. notification. Yeah. (laughs) Josh is recording the call. Excellent. Good.